0: This call is being recorded.
1: I welcome everybody. This is uh, Tom Miller, and this is our second week of our Intentional Living uh, Mastermind book study. And whether you're live on the call tonight or you're going to listen to the recording, I heard heard from a lot of you at you know Christmas parties and, and celebrations, and that's perfectly understandable. This is the time to be intentional and make sure you're being present at those parties. That's that that was my response back. So hopefully, you had a magnificent time. And my goals for tonight are to just just hit a high level on how your 15-minute miracle went, and maybe you didn't get a chance to use it, or, you know, maybe you did. Um, I will tell you a little bit about my experience, and then we will dive into uh, Chapter 2 and take a look at what the next seven days looks like for us. So if you had the opportunity to download and utilize the 15-minute miracle, it's a, it's a humbling tool. Um, it's a challenging tool because especially you have to remember to actually mark something down every every 15 minutes. But I I remember the first time that I used it, uh, um, my boss had us all do it in our in our office, and and what was very clear to me is that I would easily get stuck into the vortex. And knowing my personality profile, and when I say vortex, that means just getting into talking with a lot of people. And it was always in the the time between about 8 and 9.15 or 8 to 9.30 where I just didn't have a lot of productivity going on. And I realized because the way that everybody's shift started, I started first, and I started at 7.30, but, you know, people started to trickle in between 8 8 and 9, and so that my uh, cubicle was the first one. (laughs) So every time people would stop and say, hey, how are you? Good morning, and we talk about whatever, or we maybe have a quick you know touch base and kind of maybe if we we're, if we're working on a a similar project or we need help from someone else, so I realized that that my best working time though however, is also first thing in the morning, so well, I was losing productivity based upon the Collaboration or collaboration, you know, one or the other. So I just had to be intentional. I had to, you know, make an adjustment. So sometimes I would work from another location um in the office during that time. Um or or I would just let, you know, someone know, hey, I will come and check you out in about thirty minutes. I'm working on something important here. But but what I had you know found is my day went on, my um, you know, energy level was was uh, lower, so the the tasks that I could easily accomplish in the afternoon, I tried to make them all, um, you know, like either email or low low energy tasks, but the tasks that were most important, my most important things to get accomplished that day, I had to get done pretty much as soon as I got into the office, and sometimes I did a little bit of pre-work prior to the office. Now, in the same situation with, with my own you know, company and, you know, trying to drive a daily schedule um, because I don't have a nine to five. I don't have anybody kind of setting my day. Um, Again, I use that same role and same method about being intentional. So I wake up about 445 and I start with John's, you know, do it now, do it now, do it now. And I hate waking up at 445 on most days, especially right now, because my my kids are home uh, during their Christmas break. And uh, you know, it gets dark. It's dark still. It's so pitch black. It, like it, like it doesn't get dark till like seven now in the morning. I hate waking up, uh, but I do it because I know, in just 30 minutes, if I miss those first 30 minutes, my whole day is shot. I don't get to exercise, or something gets left out, whether it's my exercising, or my reading, or that one work task that needs more attention. Something. And it's amazing to me. Uh, I was actually saying to someone uh, recently we were doing work out in um, Haywood County, which is like four hours, four and a half hours from my house in Raleigh. If I needed to drive there first thing in the morning and be there by 8.30, I'd be on time. If I stay at the hotel, which is six miles away, I feel like I'm always late or I'm always running running behind. And what's the difference is the intentionality and the sense of urgency for me behind it, intentionality, to get there. So you can use the 15-Minute Miracle for many, many different things. I used it for when was I most productive, when was I least productive, and try to create interventions to make sure uh, that I was staying focused on the right things uh, during those most important times, but then also, you know, being able to um, have some lower energy time to maybe accomplish those other pieces, which may have been emails or maybe filing or whatever I could you know do during those those afternoon times now i've heard from some of you, and you know some of your uh feedback is you're you're realizing how much time you're spending on unfinished work, so that might be work that wasn't completed from previous days. So that's a big part. And Peter Drucker taught us that the one problem with scheduling your day out is most of the time we underestimate the time that it's going to take. So, therefore, if we try to plan out our day hour by hour by hour, we usually overlap somewhere or we don't get it done and it creates a huge problem, or even worse, a big fire comes in, right? So whether you're a school leader, you've got some emergency, or um, if you're working in, you know, sales and, and you know, all your you know, like your call list got messed up or something's happened. Whatever, whatever it is, we all know what fires look like, and we all have them. We all get stuck in the weeds every once in a while um, in that administrative stuff. So that's why um, one thing, one intervention to do is to only schedule out half your day. So if you only schedule out half your day with the most important tasks, right, whatever the organization gets the greatest return at when you do them, then you can make sure you get those parts done compared to scheduling out your entire day where, honestly, you're not going to get half the things done that you scheduled anyway. And then whatever was most important on Monday that you didn't get done automatically goes to Tuesday's schedule. So that's just another way to use the 15-minute miracle to make sure that you're using it on the most valued time. How you want to live your life compared to having someone else dictate how you live your life. So we got a few people on the call. So I would love the the lines open if anybody wants to share. If you got a chance to do it for one day or half a day or maybe even not at all, uh, what is you know what is, you know? What are your thoughts? What are your concerns?
0: Oh I I I will go. Um this is Julie, by the way. Um, I did get a chance to do this for one day. Um it's our last uh, school before crack out, so it was a very off schedule. Um and it wouldn't have been a good representation doing the for two more days, um, but I got one day. What I found also was that um my my most productive time was in the morning as well. Um mm-hmm. I spent quite a bit of time overall, just getting ready um, with my kids, you know, house stuff. And by the time, you know, I I I was sitting at my desk after the morning rush of kids and greeting, um, I think inside my head I was like anxious to get started uh, because I'd been at school already for a while. So um, I found I found that. I'm rushing to get things done in the morning, um, and I'm ready. Um, I have found overall also that I do seem to be productive throughout the day, um, but my big burst was in in the morning.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so was there any point that you found yourself, like – in in long stretches or longer stretches of time where like you weren't even sure what you did, or or that it definitely wasn't something that you wanted to be focused on that day.
0: I think I found that I was maybe spending too much time on a particular task, even though it was hmm. on my list of things to get done. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I guess I could look at that a little bit more you know what the what the hold up was, I guess, um, but looking at the actual sheet where I've you know timed it out um two, three, four, so it looks like I' spent an hour doing one task that I'm not sure why it took that long to do so and
1: that's that's a great thing to investigate right there, yeah, um you know, so maybe had some interruptions right maybe maybe you know one thing. Uh, that I have learned, that I've had to like turn off phone and email indicators. You know, I I constantly have my email thing up, and and I just need to shut that down so I can't see it um, <clears throat> because it it does take. I've heard I read some research. It takes between 20 and 30 minutes for the brain to get back to where it was after an interruption. So if you're in any sort of deep thought or deep deep working mode. And something clicks or you get a phone call or, or something else, you you know, your brain takes you down a rabbit hole and all of a sudden you're you're working on something else or you're on like, uh, you know, social media or, you know, like anything to that effect, it, it, you know, it takes that much longer obviously to get back to where you need to be. And I constantly find myself doing that because when my brain's in a re- relaxed mode thinking through something, is when those other things, you know, pop up, right? Oh, it's somebody's birthday today. Or, oh, I forgot to do this, right? And 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 so I, I write it down or I find a way to write it down or I maybe send my wife a note. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, what the heck was I doing? And I gotta get back into it. So that's always always challenging for me is to stay focused and disciplined on one thing at a time. I am a constant multitasker and it's not it's not healthy and it doesn't lead to great work. Awesome. anybody else want to share go ahead and, and hop in the floor is open so here's here's and here's the basis of the chapter if you had an opportunity to read it you know why good intentions aren't enough right so good intention was to maybe do the 15-minute miracle and even you know the good intention was to analyze it but now it's about taking that to action you got to get to the next level so most people desire to do good at helping others, and they give themselves credit for having good thoughts. And most of you know, uh, us judge ourselves according to our intentions, but as Maxwell points out in the book, there's a, there's a gap that people face between having good intentions and actually making a difference in their own lives. So one of the parts of, you know, one of the key aspects of this book is how can, how can you bridge that gap? That's the, that's the largest gap in life right? It's it's the gap between what we know and what we do. And there's a massive gap between what we know and what we do. So the one way that you bridge it is committing to intentional living. So that's taking the information that you have and driving it to action. And so People who embrace intentional living move, sorry, from a life of observation and wishing into a life of action and doing. And this is uncomfortable for many people because deep down they just they don't think that they can make a difference, or they don't think that they can achieve those aspects. Um, but as you know, we're going call knows on the recording. You, know, you all have a life that has a purpose that can make a difference. Uh, but it's all about embracing those lessons and living and living intentionally. So a couple of the goals here is 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 to lead so let's let's talk about the differences again between good intentions and intentional living. Uh we're going to examine some of our uh barriers to to intentional living, and then I'm I'm going to challenge you at the end uh, to to identify how you're currently living and how and how you want to move forward. So let's just open up with this question. Uh, We just had someone new uh, come on. So, um, Julie, thank you for sharing before. We had someone with a with a four hundred four area code. So, you want to introduce yourself? That'd be great. All right, it's perfectly fine. So, um, have you ever gone out of your way? To help another person, and what was that experience? What did you do, and how did it, how did it help and how did it make you feel? What was some way that you intentionally went out to help, to help someone else? And when I was rereading this uh, uh, chapter, my kids and I were, we, we were, we went to the movies yesterday, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay it forward. If I see someone in the movie there we're gonna buy their ticket, or we're gonna buy but we went at, at a two o'clock show on the Wednesday. There was no one in the whole, in the whole movie theater. And I was, I was like, but you know what? That's kind of living in, that's a, that's a good intention, but not necessarily, uh, you know, spontaneous uh, living in the action piece. So it's so funny how, you know, reading this book was making me think. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, our kids always do is we're always, if we see trash, we always try to model and, pick it up and hold the door, uh, you know, for other people, because it does. It makes you feel good by inspiring others to action if you see it, but just most importantly, just doing what's right, because that's just the right thing to do. So, you know, one of the areas where uh, a lot of people struggle, and I know I have, I know my mom really struggled with this, is is doing good things for other people, and then not getting the return, right? So one of the things, you know, you know, you know before we talk about is helping other people is, is the, is the uh, leadership landmine, right, the landmine of expecting some sort of return. And too many people do things for other people and keep score. And when you keep score, it creates animosity. One of the aspects I've really worked on over the last couple of years is keeping score. Because I always kind of remember trying to help someone or helping someone with a resource or, you know, going out of my way I felt to do things and never feeling that great return. But that was something, that was a Tom Miller problem. That wasn't whoever I was helping problem. So when's the last time that you went out of your way to help someone else? Can anybody share something that they've done recently to to help somebody? how it made you feel well this is this is certainly the season right to to go out of your way and and i and i um <laughs> we got a giant cookie tray um uh, today from one of from one of our clients and i was just you know really really thinking about this time of year where there's so much giving going on but the giving is not always um you know just you know holding the door or doing something nice for somebody or helping out a neighbor there's a lot of intentional giving right everybody feels they have to give 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 and I was looking at this. There has to be like a hundred cookies on this on this a tray and I and I called my wife. I said, Hey, um I've got this massive tray of cookies. What do what do you want to do with it? So I ended up if any of you ever have like a snappy lube by you. Uh, those guys are great. I thoroughly enjoy them. Uh, but I took my cookie tray over to them. I was like, hey, guys, look, there's no way I'm going to fit in my pants. I, you know, after this season, you guys all work really hard. Well, you know, would you like this cookie tray? And it's a bunch of like 18 to 22-year-old men. So they, you know, devoured it. And yes, I regifted, gifted uh, but I was trying to think about, you know, someone else and then also my own my own waistline. So, so you know, this is the time, take the time to to just be intentional. Who can you help? Who can you make a difference with in someone else's life, especially if it's, you know, someone who doesn't have um, a lot of family? Who can maybe you invite over? Who can who can you stop by to say hello who may not always have those, those great opportunities? So what types of things do you think people have good intentions about but rarely take action on? They have good intentions about but rarely take intentional action on I'll give you some time to think through. I think you know most most common everybody has good intentions about their health, right That's it, starting Monday, I'm going to change my diet. We talked about that on last week about how all all diets start on Monday for some reason, so their health. Right, their diet, how they spend their time, how they spend their money? Why is it do you think that people have good intentions about these very important things, you know spending more time with their spouse, whatever it might be, but rarely take action on what do you What do you think is the barrier between? Intentions in action. There,
0: I think time is a huge, a huge factor for people.
1: Mhm. And what about time?
0: I, I just think that um, you know people who are working full time, have families, lots of things going on. It's it's hard to carve out um, a, a nice amount of time to put towards um, something you want to do um, Mm -hmm. and not be rushed about it.
1: Okay. Yeah. And what's, what's an example of, of that, what'd you say?
0: I mean, something that's been on my mind is volunteering um, and getting involved more. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I've been wanting to, you know, go to a shelter and, and, and help, you know, with homeless feeding, and I, it's just it's never happened. <laughs> mm. um, partly because it's it's a process, you know, going online, signing up, it's booked. Um, can I get somebody to watch my kids? How how am I gonna? <laughs> it's a it's yeah. it's a lot of arranging, and um, it takes some foresight, I guess. Yep. True.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, have uh, you and your kids uh, gone uh, to the movies lately?
0: I I did. Yeah, I I took my son to see Dumanji recently.
1: Yeah. What was what was the process there? How did you know uh, where to go and what uh, what time the movie was playing?
0: I went on my phone, bought the tickets on over my phone, and went yeah. straight to the theater.
1: Yeah. Almost the same exact um your know, process, right, almost, yeah, and I do hear you it is interesting i you know Julie this season as well, you know, my mom died a few years ago, and her birthday it was yesterday, and uh so I was like, you know what, my mom used to do meals on wheels, I'm gonna volunteer for meals on wheels, and you're right, it was booked up all the way through January like twentieth, and instead of me just hitting the January twentieth button, I just never went back to it right it was like all it was closed the idea was closed the intentionality was closed because that's that's really because personally for me it was only really to do it maybe one time it wasn't going to be part of my continuous part of life right so we so we get what we fight for and we talked a lot about this last week about you know, I want to be in better shape. You could tell that by the number of DVDs that I have about you know fitness and and some of the books and the exercise equipment in our house. But you know, but they're all dusty and I'm not in good shape, right? So really, you know, my actions don't agree with my with my thoughts or my intentionality, and that's always something. A battle, you know. Many of you know on the call uh, that I'm a recovering gambling addict, and so a big part of the intentionality is that 90-day program because they're trying to reprogram your the way you think and the way you act when you start to kind of get anxiety towards towards you know the gambling or whatever the you know diseases that you're trying to um, you know combat, and it's almost like the same aspect that you think about. You know, what was the difference, you know, between taking your son to the movies, which is a huge, a a huge timepiece, too, right? Because it's it's time and it's finances as well, because I can't believe how much an afternoon matinee is anymore. It's crazy. But, you know, same aspect, but, you know, what? we could also volunteer, right? And we could go and then really, then you're even... You know, creating like a different legacy that, you know, the uh, uh, legacy you're starting is hopefully my son will take his kids to the movies when they get their time, which being an education and a mom of multiple kids, you don't have a lot of time (laughs) at all, right, to do those things. But it's a really, really valid point, and I'm uh, you know, uh, struggling with the same thing. Why aren't we doing Ronald McDonald House this year like we have every Christmas? Why haven't we gotten to a soup kitchen when we're supposed to? It's just because it's not part of our daily living. So we have to be just more intentional to get there. Whatever those things that we want in life, we get what we fight for, right? We find the time, we, we find the process, we find the intentionality to get there awesome thank you for being open about that and it it's a clear thing I'm right there with you, struggling through the same thing right now um about that so how do we teach our kids right how do we how do we teach them a better way to give right? it's my four year old right now every toy that he sees this is what he wants he wants it on his Christmas list, and I'm like, gosh what, when did we get so needy and I'm sure I was at that age too just they just want everything they want everything. So why do you think it's so easy? And I kind of maybe answer some of this, but why do you think it's easy to get stuck? Why do you think it's easy to get stuck in the things that we wish we would have done and just didn't do them? What are some of the the aspects? You had some really great ones. I got two kids too, Julie. So, I mean, I I heard exactly what you said, right? The the babysitter, I got to find this, I got to find that. I was like, well, what if we can bring our kids? You know, my wife, if she's listening or listens to this call, she's going to kill me about this, but it's okay. We we go to a charter school. Uh, my my daughter goes to a charter school here in Raleigh. And they have a policy about uh, if you're volunteering, you can't bring non-school-age kids with you. So my wife always says, oh, well, I can't, you know, volunteer, you know, because of that policy that they have. Well, my son, he is in preschool three days a week for half a day. She could certainly volunteer then, right? But she always blames the policy rather than the intentionality. So what's so? What's really the reason? What's the real root of the, the you know, problem here is what we all have to look back on. Why are we really not accomplishing those things? Even going to the money part, you know, folks, if I could just make more money, I would be in better shape financially, which is not true because your habits don't tell you that. If you wanted to have more money saved or to to be able to do the things you want to do, you, you would do that. If you have if you make more money, odds are you're you're just going to spend more money because you don't have the discipline to be able to save what you need. So what do you guys think are the are the uh, why why is it so easy to get stuck? Thoughts out there. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep talking about. It. On page 47, if you've got your book in front of you, there's there's three lines of words. There's three columns. You got the words of good intention, the words of intentional living, and then you got a life that matters. All right. So I was wondering which 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 of the lists stands out to you the most. Did you you know? Did you put a check mark next to words? Uh, that best describe your attitude and your actions. And I was wondering, you know, what what your thoughts, right? So how do we move from words of good intention like desire, wish, someday, fantasy, hopefully, and change them to words of intentional uh, learning and in a life that matters? It's interesting, I'm reading Tim Harris's uh, four-hour work week. And it was amazing how he was really putting into perspective if you wrote down all the things on your wish list and actually did the math about how much money it would take to do things or, you know, do that, it's not as big as we always assume it is, right? It's just a matter of taking a look at the, being intentional and really doing some, some soul searching and some, um, you know, budgeting if it's a vacation and really just figuring it out. That's the difference between wishing and fulfillment, right, or fantasy and follow-through. But this this is really hard for a lot of people. It's really, really challenging for them to be able to, to just do it because they have a lot of barriers. And those barriers are BS. They're belief systems. That we are programmed to have, and we were typically programmed by people who too had the same terror barrier, you know, the fear barriers of doing something different outside the box. Uh, last week we talked a lot about, you know, my great my grandmother, who's 85 or so, and every time I talk to her, even three and a half years later after starting my own company. Tommy, can you pay your bills? Why don't you go back to that really safe government job? You know, the one that gave you health insurance and a constant paycheck. And I say, I love you, my mom. I'm 41 years old, and I actually do have all those things. My company does all those things. We do give health insurance and benefits and things like that. But her programming is job, work for a long time, retire, That's the way she's programmed, and that's the way they program down. The people that are closest to you will be the ones that keep you safe, and safe is in that far left column. You know, the columns of desire, wish, someday, fantasy, hopefully, passive, occasional emotion somebody should, and survival. And people rarely improve when they only have models like themselves to learn from. So if you want to take those opportunities, you know, ask those people those, live those lives that are a little bit above your comfort level, somewhere where you'd want to be and learn from them that's the learning aspect to get to those words of intentional living and into that life that matters whatever is most important to you whatever your life purpose is whatever you've identified as your why and as a coach you know I talk to you know I have coaching sessions every week and I ask that question what is it that you really really want have you identified and written down what is it that you really really want and it's It's upsetting to hear some people who don't have an answer to that question. This is typically the barriers that they see is what stops them from getting there. That mindset of it can't happen to me. I won't be able to do it. They're going to say no. I can't go on vacation. I can't ask for a raise. I can't quit my job to do something different but those might be facts but remember facts change only the truth is what's there the truth is you can go on vacation the truth is you can live a life that you aim to live you can figure out your schedule it just takes a little time to get there right we were at a workshop recently and I was and I was asking the leaders, I asked this one leader, she said she was having a really hard time with time with time management. And I asked her, I said, uh, I asked her if she went on the vacation recently. She said, yes, they went to the islands and they, like, did some island jumping and it was just luxurious. And I said, well, how long did you spend planning that vacation? And she said, oh, it took months. And a lot of hours on the internet because I wanted to make sure we got to all the right places. And I, I, you know, I just guessed her age. It was probably more like 40, but I, I hopefully did the right thing and said, I said, well, you know, you're about 30, so you've lived 10, was it 10, 10,000 days? I guess. So I said, so let me get this straight. You spent months planning out seven days but very little time planning out the other 10,000 days plus the other, hopefully, you know, 50,000 days that you'll live uh, beyond this. If you just take maybe five minutes a day to think towards how can I get there, you will find that the answers will come, right? The step-by-steps will come. Dr. Martin Luther King taught us you don't have to see the whole flight of stairs to get to the second floor. just need to see the next step. Take that baby step. So it's hard feeling stuck. Being stuck stinks. I've been there uh, and I still certainly struggle in lots of areas of my life uh, with being stuck and having that mindset. But it's definitely something uh, that an accountability partner can help you with and and uh, vision and goal setting. And that's something we're going to be working on the next two weeks is creating those vision boards, creating those I can statements. And eliminating those self-beliefs, those belief systems out of your head. So, in what ways of your life would you say that you're most intentional now? And and what and what what got you there? What are some ways you're really intentional with what you do? Anyone a call, want to share an area that they're very, very intentional with? I think I'm the most intentional with work. Something I've been working, I've been starting to read this book called uh, Chained, Chained to a Desk. And I'm super intentional with jumping on work or, you know, jumping on an opportunity to go visit somewhere or, or see somebody. Um, I'm never intentional about sitting on a couch. It does happen often, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, why do you, why do you think we're, we're okay with that? You know, we we have this comfort zone and some, and some, you know, people, uh, are really good with math and numbers, or so they're just they'll just jump right in when it comes to that. But when it comes to like human emotion, or maybe having a crucial conversation with somebody, they're just they're just they're just they're stuck. They're just stuck. So thinking about these things that you kind of do um, just secondhand, right? And what's the difference between Jumping on those compared to jumping on, um, you know, a mini vacation, right, or something outside the box or, um, you know, an impromptu date or whatever it is that you're desiring you have, the things you're actually writing down that you want, what is the difference between those, those two, those intentional just, you know, jump-ins? I believe it's a comfort zone, right, because, again, this is how you're programmed and this is what you're used to. So, you have to ask yourself, what are some of the personal barriers that you need to change what are what are what are the obstacles that you need to get rid of because I've learned recently that all pain comes from attachment. So what are you attached to and there's things that we're attached to. And I remember when I first started my company, I had hired this um c p a or a uh, bookkeeper, and um for you know four to six months, they were doing great, and all all things were awesome, and then all of a sudden, I just started to see something slip, and then I started getting letters from the state about I wasn't paying payroll taxes on time. I mean there was all these things, and I had all this pain inside. I knew what the right thing to do was i had to I had to let this person go. But I just constantly accepted her um, excuses and knew, and because she had she had proven to me before she could do it that she would pick it back up again. And then just then she just stopped answering the phone. <laughs> and she, you know, she didn't respond to things until I just had to send her the baby way. I sent her an email that you know I was terminating contract. See that that attachment was causing me pain, but. You know, I was, I I would rather complain about it than do something about it. It was easier for me to have a conversation with my poor wife about it or, or my partner um, in a company about it, but we would never do anything. Right? Sometimes we love that attachment. We love the drama that attachments bring us. That's where our pain comes from because then we have an excuse that woe was me. Feel sorry for me because so one one exercise I'd love for you to do, you know, when you hopefully you've downloaded these uh you know questions, they're they're right there in the study guide. What are some of the personal barriers that you need to address? What is it that you have to address? There's only one way in life that we're all equal, and that's in time. We all have the same 24 hours a day. That's it. Everything else is for the taking. So what are these barriers that are that are in your way for you to have that life do you want to have and whether it's kids you know I'm my dog is she's she's here next to me she's not supposed to be she's supposed to be downstairs in her crate but she's had knee surgery lately right so my attachment to her is letting her walking around with this knee surgery and she's not supposed to and I'm really hoping when we go to the vet tomorrow that they don't tell me that uh, she's not healing right right because my attachment to not hearing her whimper is allowing her to get her way. So what are the what are the personal barriers? Right? I have to get over that. It's not that's what's doing what's best for me, not what's best for my dog. And that's a crazy one, but uh, you know, your kids maybe, right? Your job, you don't like your job, but I gotta pay my bills, so I get stuck in this this, you know, job that I hate. So many people hate their jobs, hate their bosses hate the people they work with. I don't know how they get up every day to go. They go because the fear of not having money to not pay their bills. So they'd rather live a life that sucks the life out of them, that causes pain, and then they can complain about it. And then they find other people who like to complain about their job. It's the law of attraction. They just attract each other. Negative emotions attract negative emotions. So, question number seven. Yeah, what are some of your personal barriers to change? If you could get rid of them, what would they be, and why? Write that out. Journal it, and say this is what I'm not going to do anymore because I want I want higher purpose. So. Here's here's your challenge for next week. This is going to be tough because we've got holiday seasons. And, and, but if you're not journaling yet, you should be. Definitely be finding ways to write down your thoughts, taking 10 minutes. Maybe you got to wake up 10 minutes earlier in the morning, whatever it might be, and start journaling through these responses right on the side of the bubble, whatever you want to do. But question number nine shifting your thoughts from desire to deeds can help you embrace an intentional lifestyle. So I want you to identify some areas and where you need to make that shift. And what area cries out for the most change and why? I'm going to send you I'm going to send you the wheel of life. Okay, and it's pretty much self-explanatory, but It's it's a wheel, and you're basically going to rate yourself in these categories from 0 to 10. And when you rate yourself, you know, the ones that are crying out for you, the ones that you need to to take a deeper look at and address, whether it's your personal um, relationships, your love life, your home life, your job, your health, your wealth, your faith, you choose it, okay? It comes with a bunch of categories, but if you want to switch off one, you certainly can. And I want you to take take the assessment and take a deep reflection and look at it. What areas do you need to change and why? This is going to help you uh, for the week after when we make our vision boards. All right, so in the next hour or so, I will send this out, the attachment that you have, print it out. And start really looking at it. What are the areas that you need to change and why? And be honest with yourself. This is for you. You're not going to share it with anybody. You're not going to share it with me unless you want to. I want you to take the time to take a look at your wheel. Because what you'll find is that if you, some areas you might be an 8. Some areas you might be a 2. But when you take your 8, if you're a wheel, if you've got an 8, 2, a 5, a 7, a 3, that wheel doesn't roll very well, does it? <laughs> it rolls kind of jagged, probably like the first wheels, one of those flintstone wheels. So, that is your assignment and your challenge for next week is to is to read. I think we're attacking two chapters next week as well. So, to work on your wheel of life and start diving a little bit more into the chapter, and making sure you get you you start to kind of see because we're going to start envisioning the life that we desire to have because I believe if you it's hard to have vision if you've yet to open your eyes. So this exercise will start to get into open your eyes of where of where you are compared to where you want to be and then the week after we'll start we'll start working on that visionary plan so you can actually see what you want for the 2018 year. So it's 715 I greatly appreciate uh, those who invested that tonight live. That's great, and and I want you, once you're off this call, to make sure you go be intentional. You go be present with your loved ones or whatever you're doing. That you have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate at home. Make sure it's the best. Be present. Be there. Put those phones and those devices away, and start living a life of intentionality. Thank you so much for coming in, and God bless.